Welcome. This is season three of The Daily Market, where we've decided to do something a little special. Earlier this year, startup junkie and marketplace master Ty Wolf-Jones, hey Ty, approached me and pitched us the idea of instead of interviewing founders and marketers, why don't we dive into the world of marketplaces, the VH1 behind the music of marketplaces, or what is the making of the sausage of a marketplace? Ty could bring the operations point of view, and I could bring the marketing point of view, and we could make some marketplace magic, or maybe a little more like Marketplace Mayhem. So join us for the series where we've spoken to over a dozen marketplace leaders and pioneers from Uber, Convoy, Bellhop, DoorDash, Rover, but also some rising stars and marketplaces from multiple countries, venture capitalists, and more. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Ty, this reminds me of Wrench, because Michael Wrench was and is, it's, it's actually started here in Seattle, is on-demand mechanics. And oh, nice. This battle of supply and demand and making mm. it balance, it's complex. And I feel like that similar thing you all felt at, at Wrench, mm. I imagine, Ty, is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were definitely always trying to balance that. I find it interesting, though, your original idea of the free market, right, the negotiation uh, mm. product, actually, you kind of had brought it back just with an algorithm, right? You did it for the people. So you found the friction, which was, hey, you know, someone standing in a store doesn't want to negotiate right now, but right. if we have an algorithm that does it for them, it will start to start to do the work. And so your 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 flywheel became, hey, when we can get that those pricing in line and you're not moving those prices up and down to, to motivate people, I bet that's when the thing started to, to roll. But I love that you brought your, you almost brought your negotiation product back. You just did it with an algorithm. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I, 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 the, the original one, I, I preferred the concept for because yeah. it's true free market then. And, yeah. and, and negotiation is purely between the customer and the delivery person. But with, with, with the, the algorithm we have now, if you can't find the right price for, well, the, the, it's the company that pays the extra price if mm. the delivery driver is not prepared to do it. For the price the customer's prepared to pay, and therefore the company makes a loss. Um, so, but but it is it is the only having through personal experience is the only way to make it work. Yeah. So eventually, what I heard there, are, did you did you actually start to partner with some retailers and some shops as right. well, and brought in a third side to the marketplace? Right. Yeah, that became um, apparent. That was really important. And some of the other on-demand delivery grocery companies, there's loads of different models. Um, but one of them is uh, the it's completely store agnostic, and you just have a list of two thousand products, and then the drivers can go to any shop to pick them up. But we um, we we wanted a big supermarket partnership, mm-hmm. um, so that uh, a that would help with some PR and some brand building, but also um, they would have their own existing customers that w- would then help feed that side of the marketplace for us um right, who would then right. say oh there's a new way of getting the, the things they need so that was uh so, so we got that advice from somebody you know some you, know, you sort of speak to one of these um, a mentor type person they go, oh you just need to get a big supermarket 
just just get that sorted. <laughs> so, uh, so how do I do that? And they said, uh, oh, you need to write letters. This is um, a, a, a secret I'm going to share. Write a physical letter to the CEOs of the supermarkets because they never get letters anymore. Never send them an email because their PAs will just filter that out. Right. So uh, I started writing these letters to, uh, you won't have heard of these supermarkets, but the biggest one in the UK is called Tesco. Um, and Right. And then um, Sainsbury's the second biggest one. And, and uh, I, I wrote a letter to Sainsbury's, to the CEO, and I got a response in uh, 48 hours. I said, he said, uh, let, let's have a meeting. Not with him, sadly. So I have a meeting with somebody in my team. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And that moment, was, oh, we, def- we definitely made it now. You know, yeah. I started thinking about, uh, you know, upsizing the home, et cetera. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so, yeah. So anyway, and then I, I, I got in for this meeting and, um, a couple of weeks later, they said, yeah, let's go for it. Let's just start the partnership, a verbal agreement. So it was it was just unbelievable. And so at that point, this is shortly after the London launch. Uh, we were burning through our, our MIGRA budget quite quickly. So oh, let's, let's stop spending, save the budget, because we're going to go go with, with Sainsbury's and we're going to go big. Now, unfortunately, um, when it came to getting a written agreement, um, it just unfortunately it, it didn't happen it didn't happen so but at the, i had reached out to some more supermarkets and we we then got a, a very similar arrangement um set up with the co-op supermarket which nice. is i don't know if you've heard of them but they that that they've got one right right i don't yeah so they're, they're i think they're like maybe the sixth biggest by oh, nice. revenue in the uk but they've got uh, they're actually perfect because their model is to have smaller stores in more urban locations. So they've got four thousand stores, um, the, and so they're, they're and actually the partner, right? Because yeah. the, the the massive supermarkets are a nightmare to shop in. You know, it takes 10, 10 minutes to walk to walk from one side to the other. So was these are sort of you know have like five thousand SKUs, it's really nice. So yeah, so then so so we we, we did take nearly uh, a year, I think, to sign the agreement, but we. Uh, that that kicked off, and that kicked off last year, and that that was that was brilliant. So then we have had a, a commission arrangement with that supermarket, um, and we we had our three sided marketplace um, finally in go. business where where we could take a little bit a little bit of revenue from each side. From each side, you know, it's interesting. We we've talked to like we said, we've talked to operators from different from two sided and three sided. I haven't actually talked to someone who's who's transitioned from a two sided to a three-sided marketplace. So how did you start to think about the business, your teams? What did you guys focus on? Because um, you obviously have have uh, uh, important pieces now um, that are that are getting more complex. Um, how, how did you guys make that transition? And how, what, what was your, your business strategy there to, to handle that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's somebody in the team to completely own each side of the marketplace, a single point of accountability. Yep. Um, second that this, this this we thought this would probably be the first of many big partnerships but to begin with it was vital that we made this one work um, and so we needed to we wanted, we wanted to give our customers a lot of options in the app mm-hmm. to be able to browse other stores but we did want as many transactions to go through this supermarket as much as possible sure. so that was um, a sort of tricky one to to navigate and um, so that, well, that that was a huge focus and we had to be absolutely sure that the supply side w- was completely reliable. W- w- in the early days of the business, 
in the, 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 the early model that I talked about helping people out nearby. When it worked well, it was amazing. We'd get these, because rev- we're really early to the market. You'd get these reviews, wait, you know, before, are those, are those the grocery deliveries, nothing new, getting it this quickly was at the time. And when, it, when it, we're getting deliveries in 20 minutes, that you know, wow. now there's this big swathe of dark store delivery players mm-hmm. that you, you've probably heard of that will advertise it for delivery in 15, 20 minutes. But, but we were doing it in 2017, 2018, well, no, 2018. Wow. And uh, you get these reviews. But, but then there were other times a day where there was no pickup. And we'd just be watching these on our dashboards, like pending, pending, pending. Yeah. And uh, it was so stressful. And then, wow. it was, and, and, you know, the many days I would be down in East London. I was like, because Saturday mornings were always tough. And right. we're, getting so many, we're getting so many orders. And I'd, I was just go down with my bike. I'm ready to ready to pick up jobs. Yep. I mean, you, you know, you, you always do that with um, the early start start set pace. Yep. So anyway. We thought that cannot happen. So we had to develop what we thought yeah. was the bulletproof system to make sure the supply side always worked. And um, that, that that was a huge focus um, as we scaled up. We started scaling up in 2020. Right. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting thing when you add this complexity of the three-sided. And I don't, you know, obviously I think most consumers just take it for granted. But, it, you know, to to monitor that at scale with what I'm assuming are contractors or the equivalent of contractors in the UK. Um, yeah. You, you, how do you maintain quality? How do you maintain consistency mm. um, uh, to, to your customers and now to your big partner, right? To your big business partner um, because you don't want to uh, disrupt their business, let them down or let their customers down, right? When they're ordering from them. Right. So the, the thing to know is that the, the couriers, they, they, they want to do a good job. They want to take pride in what they're doing. Nice. And they, they'll often work for other uh, on-demand delivery services. And some of them, it's their main source of income. So you, you just you have to put in the infrastructure to make it easy for them to do a good job, first nice. of all. And I like that. Well, that's that first of all, that started with the on board, the training, the onboarding. Uh, and we really, because we were still quite small, we went for a really personal touch. So, where we meet every single one of them, they they came to our office, um, we gave them a free, free ping a checker, um, and we we just spent time getting to know them. And initially, we created a WhatsApp group, and we're still quite small, so uh, where they would all help each other out. And it was a lovely community, and they were. Um, solving each other's problems and um, we gave them our own personal phone numbers to call wow. if there are any issues yeah. and so so that, that that was key that they felt engaged and rewarded then then gamification is, is tried and tested so to have a point system where you get extra points for delivering quickly and um, successfully and and eventually building up to a cash bonus um, and then the app itself making it super easy to Walk around a grocery store, pick up, pick the items, get them into your basket, um, and and ha- and crucially, how to handle substitutions, which is the bane of any on-demand delivery company's life. I mean, I, it, 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 I can talk about that a bit later, perhaps. But I, 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 Instacart is the big one in the US with very similar, very similar model to us, and uh, I'm sure they, they they've been through that. Really, have a live inventory view. In other words, you get API access to the mm-hmm. supermarket, and even they often mm-hmm. won't necessarily have a live a live right. inventory view. Um, you people are going to order things that are not available, and they they hate it. It's the 
single biggest source of churn. And that's why these Dark Souls players are doing quite well at the moment because they say no substitutions. So anyway, I'm diverting a bit, but the app, crucial. And then on our side, you just have to keep being really agile on getting more supply side on if if it's looking flaky. Um, so yeah, those are some of the the things that we did. But I love your focus. I think it goes to what you, how you started Pinga with this idea of people helping people and trusting the marketplace, the free market system, and and believing in in each of the users uh, that they would they would live on both sides of this of this marketplace. They would do they would help sometimes and need help other times. I think it brought you a human focus on on your couriers and and arguably this is where a lot of other companies you know did didn't focus right away, right? They focused on scale or or the merchants or or other sides of the business, demand, you know, generating demand. Um, it's interesting that you were able to build a community quickly, um, uh, personally, <clears throat> put in gamification right from the beginning, which I think is also key. Mm. Um, but it's it goes to kind of your your human touch that you've had the whole time um, through the theme of, of Pinga. Really yes, I think that's right. I think I'm, I'm, as an individual, I'm quite a relationship person. I, some people don't mind perhaps you know not prioritizing that um and and being a bit a little bit more um transactional um and i, I probably sh- i think sometimes I, I i would benefit by being a bit more towards that because it can slow down focusing so much on relationships so but 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 yeah that's just how I, i've learned to operate over the years yeah this is kind of what you're saying or you're, the decision you made to really honor the couriers and, and make it a good experience for them is, is, is kind of my dream in some way because I, I've always worked on the supply side of these marketplaces. So at Rover, it was to get pet sitters, right? At, right. at Assurance, it's to get insurance agents onto our platform. And then Ty's team recently and then last year more heavily, they worked on the actual the onboarding of these agents and and making sure they they actually stuck with us through this relatively long process, right? And it seems like we often see marketplaces, they would take the X amount of funding that they have and they say, let's just do the, the paid advertising, right? Like let's mm-hmm. just pour let's just pour the gasoline on the demand just to get the demand because w- that's the priority, right? You took actually a different approach and in some way you could say you took a quality approach. You put the quality first. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we, we we definitely tried to we wanted to build on solid foundations um and to to not go big on scaling until it was working really well and we had this felt that we were close to product market fit with retaining customers before we you know start spending millions on the national digital marketing um so that's that was right. I think we probably spent a bit too long on it, actually. And we were constrained in this quite small geographical area for a long time. And actually, when we did expand, we thought, oh, we should have just done that sooner. Um, because especially when the service is brand new, um, customers will be a bit tolerant of it not working perfectly um, mm, to begin right. with. I imagine Pinga works quite well in, in UK cities because they, they have that uh, high street often. And it's it's a little more... I remember I, I took a tour of the part of the... UK countryside, English countryside, and went to these these abbeys that they, they, they were called, and it was these mm. really old towns. I mean, they would be maybe seven hundred years old, and 
they were they were just so central. And like you said, there would be the the city center or there'd be the courtyard that everyone would meet. And it, it, it it's it's something that I feel like in America we see less of because of the building of the highways and whatever it's the fifties and sixties, right? Mm-hmm. That people were able to live in these massive suburbs and they, they, there's no way you could get to a grocery store without hopping in your car. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would actually be possible if borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbor, it's it's you can just actually walk over and it, it actually enables that. You don't have to go to a store to get something that maybe someone already has in their home next door. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I think we we do have that central centralized high streets um but we also have a big network of convenience stores and uh, mini supermarkets that will go out more into the suburbs in the towns i think you do you know in this in this space you do ideally want your customer base to not be that close to shops um because then there's more, more it's a greater part of the population that will want to use these services so actually greater need right the, the distributed yeah the lower density yeah. suburban model you talk about in the us could, could actually work quite well but then of course it's quite a thin population uh density and so you, you you're going to be driving further to help them out um i think what um, we've seen what, what we've learned um obviously it was exacerbated in the pandemic but even if you live somewhere um, and you have a shop getting everything that that gives you everything that is available on the Pinger app or other apps and you have a shop that is 200 meters from your house or 200 uh, yards i think i think you'd call it um do you call it yards no you don't have yards do you do you feet yeah, feet. You don't have any yards, okay? No, that's 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 definitely imperial days. Um, there are so many people that will just would always rather get it delivered, even if they get it in five minutes. Um, they, they just value <laughs> they, they don't, the currency, right? Yeah. They, they just hate going to shops. They, yeah. they talk, the thought of it going to queue up, um, and that, that there are other things that are more important to them. And so that's that's been a, a fascinating learning. And if you can provide a, a great service, there's also there's also a learning though, a big learning. Time is so important. The speed of delivery is so important mm-hmm. for these customers. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, we, we in, in in our app, we've said that in the past we said the and sometimes still now it can take up two hours to get the delivery because we never we wasn't fulfill our promise and we find if it starts getting towards two hours even if there are people that um, still don't particularly want to leave the house they will just start saying oh i could just go i should have just gone and got it myself there's some right. there's that, that threshold sure. that no matter how averse you are to going to shop your stuff and i should just get it myself yeah. um if you but if you deliver within less than an hour then that they always feel that, that was worthwhile so that's that that's something to be mindful of if you're going to this space that, that, that I don't think you need to deliver in 15 minutes, but you do right. need, you do really want to deliver within an hour. Michael, we got a couple, just a couple more questions. We, we do a special section called rapid mayhem questions. Mm. Mm. So if you're ready, hit me. All right. Say so the first thing comes to your head. All right. What marketplace would Michael be? Would Michael be? <laughs> oh, I would. I'd probably be a a marketplace for people to help each other give give each other advice on startups. Just sort of a friendly nice. helping people out startup uh, marketplace for like like just a quick like who's had the problem of 
you know, not really getting network effects. These are the problem of crappy customer feedback, what to do about it. Just really a bit like a chorus specifically for founders. Speaking our language. Hopefully exists, to be right honest. Here. Hopefully exists. If it does, yeah. let me know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's like a marketplace it. you like that is not so popular or well-known? I'll tell you a great one. I don't, a bubble. So it's a, as you, you're talking a bit about, uh, you mentioned a similar one, but it's for childcare. So if you need a babysitter, then you just you just type in, I need a babysitter in an hour. And unbelievable, I mean, actually know the founder, they, they've just done a brilliant job. So uh, if you want to, if I type in right now, I need a babysitter in two hours, I'll get within 20 minutes, 15 babysitters appear and, and, one, and one will turn up in two hours time. Wow. I, just, I, don't, it, I just don't know how they, they do it. It's wow. one thing to get a taxi over to your house, which yeah, right, another right. one's getting an actual babysitter that's trusted to come and look after your child. So I think those guys are doing great and I hope they um, come over to the US. Love it. Uh, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be big for that. What's your favorite marketplace that failed? There was a marketplace called Helpful Peeps, but similar-ish to Pinger. And it was just, but it was not monetized at all. And they never even started with the idea of monetizing it. It was definitely a, let's get it really big and then see what happens. And you would just type in, uh, I just need help with something. So people would type in, uh, I need to learn French. I need to get some, <laughs> how to learn to train my dog. I need someone to cut my hair. And you'd see, you go onto it and you see these crazy requests. Like, like I would not go around to help with that one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but others were you know, very altruistic. And but we, we were just looking at it. But how are you going to monetize it, guys? And I think they started to after a while. But unfortunately, it's, um, it's, rest in, it's a rest in peace uh, job now. I have one that just came that it's a meditation app and they have people who do guided meditations like meditation teachers. And this is, and then people who use the app to, to, to either do meditation as on a timer or do a guided one. And they've recently been doing all these new versions of their app and I see them monetizing and I'm like, you've been around for 10 years. I think they're figuring it out. Uh, it's called Insight Timer. If, oh, right. Yeah. If, if anyone yeah, wants to check, check it out. out. And then yeah. last last rapid question, what's a marketplace that doesn't exist yet, but it totally should? <laughs> well, I think, so I've been working with a, another startup that in the, it's in the premium concierge space. Okay, so you put with this, is it pre, if you're, uh, well, there's any amount of time before we're all in the space where um, you, you, you can, you get these, Concierge services for millionaires and billionaires, where you just say, you know, I, I just need a private jet for, uh, tomorrow to go from here to here, and you get some people to sort that out for you. But I think there's a there's an a there's something for the masses um, that is an AI powered marketplace of marketplaces. So right now, if you if you want to book a holiday um, or get a holiday let, or you're gonna you're gonna work might work through multiple marketplaces. You know, you you know, you go, through, you go booking a flight. You're gonna look at Expedia, look at Booking.com. You're gonna look, you're gonna mm -hmm. try and find a holiday. You're gonna Airbnb. You're gonna look at multiple other ones. But if you had a con an AI concierge, so it was just it's, imagine you're just typing in. It's just a single box. You just type in, um, <clears throat> I need to get a holiday in Puerto Rico. That's where you mm -hmm. that you guys all go to. Um, then it would just go off and look across all the marketplaces, do a proper like like a human would do, and then come back and say, okay, your best one is here. And then I just wouldn't get that nagging feeling that I should have checked out three more before I booked right. my holiday. So uh, <laughs> like yeah, it. let's get that built. Let's get that built. I like okay. 
Yes. I like that one too. What would you name it? Call it Mike's Place. Mike's Place. <laughs> I like it. Well, I'm Michael, thanks. Mike's place to get this I'm going to Mike's place. Yeah, Mike's going to make the choice for me. It does sound really nice. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can we find you and or where can we find Pinga? We'll find Pinga at pinga.co.uk and check out our socials. And you can just email me. I'm Michael at pinga.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Love it. Beautiful. Michael, thanks again. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it was thanks for having me, gents. Yeah, great having you on. See you, man. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. What a phenomenal episode, huh, Ty? Yeah, that was great. And we really hope that you got as much out of it, listening to it, as we did making it. Thank you for listening. Yes, I second that. Thank you. And don't forget, you can like and subscribe if you wish. We'd rather hear your thoughts. So tell us what you think of the episode and leave a review, please. Mayhem on, Ty. Yeah, mayhem on, Jacob.